The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, part of Big Blue Views podcast lineup. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Bum, and we are continuing our off-season preview discussion shows as we share our thoughts on the New York Giants opponents for the 2021 season. So far, we've done the Philadelphia Eagles. So far, we've also done the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the final NFC East team, which is the Washington football team. One that has a ton of depth on the defensive side of the football. Some questions at quarterback and some interesting names that are joining their receiver group. Chris, today we've got a a, a lot to talk about here with this Washington football team because they have the talent to be highly competitive, but they aren't necessarily there at the one key position, which is the quarterback. And that was the, the one of the more notable additions during the offseason in free agency for them was signing Ryan Fitzpatrick to maybe be the short-term answer for Washington. But right now, I really don't know if this team can be definitively one of the best in the NFC East because of that uncertainty at the quarterback position. Yeah, I think that really is the conversation with this team, even more than their defense, which, you know, we'll get to it. That's a that is a scary front seven. We were talking about this before we started recording. I I really think their quarterback position is going to be a lot more of a game manager position for them. You know, you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, which his we know pretty much who he is. He could be absolutely brilliant. He always has flashes of brilliance. You know, usually when he's coming on in a backup role in relief of a struggling starter, you know, all of a sudden he will bust out an absolutely electric game and, you know, Fitz Magic will be there. He'll take it he'll take over the team and he'll have them looking really good for two, three, four weeks, something like that. And then he will kind of backslide into the guy who really should be a backup where, you know, he'll have a whole bunch of YOLO balls and, you know, take 
risks that are, well, let's just say ill-advised and turnovers will start to pile up, but you're never quite sure when Fitzmagic will come back. I think that's how he keeps getting, you know, shots at starting jobs. That and did you know he played at Harvard? <laughs> yeah, that exactly seems to be the one thing that's constantly brought up. Did you know how smart Ryan Fitzpatrick is? I always stand by the fact that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick might be one of the luckiest quarterbacks that has played in the NFL because he really doesn't have the arm talent to kill defenses. He, he doesn't have a big arm. He's just tactically smarter than opposing teams. But m- more often than not, when I say he's a very lucky quarterback, he just ends up in really advantageous positions. I mean, uh, referencing that Hail Mary throw he had last season where he was being ripped down by the face mask and he was able to complete that pass, I, th- I think that's the epitome of Ryan Fitzpatrick always being super, super lucky throughout his career. He's not consistent. He's not a guy who is going to finish all 16 games as your starter and you're going to feel good going into the next season. It's been a really up and down career for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that, as you said, his role is going to be a game manager. They really don't have a definitive guy at quarterback at all. We're looking at the group here, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, and then Steven Montez. The three guys ahead of Montez all are are a bit similar to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't really have a big arm. Aren't really that naturally athletically gifted. But in the spots that they've been asked to step in and start, they've been able to keep the offense on schedule, keep the ball moving. They've been reliant on guys like Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. They have the pieces around whoever is going to start quarterback to produce some yards, but it's, it's just not a scary enough offensive attack because of the drawbacks of who is going to be be playing quarterback. And that's what's always going to be an advantage whenever the Giants are playing Washington. Yeah, definitely. And I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see each one of those top three quarterbacks at some point this year. You know, Kyle Allen, he had that real scary injury. He had the, the Alex Smith leg break in basically the same spot on the field that Alex Smith had his leg broken, which you know, obviously we hope he can get back to being healthy. You know, just nothing to do with football, just, you know, at a human level, you know, hopefully he doesn't have to go through what Alex Smith had to go through and, you know, nearly lose his leg. But, you know, when he was on the field, he played relatively well. He played the Giants and their defense really, really tight. You know, it was a one point game that almost came down to a, two-point conversion at the end and Tyler Heineke he did flash at the end of the last season I I thought Washington could have won the division outright in week 16 not come down to the Eagles sitting players to purposefully tank if they had just gone with Tyler Heineke to start that game in week 16 that is there isn't any one guy who's just like, as you said, the definitive starter, the guy who's like going to walk away with the competition or even make it so there really isn't a competition. Yeah. And I, I don't even know for sure if, the, if like you said, if right now for me, I don't think there's much of a competition. I think they brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick for a reason. I don't think that they were necessarily sold on, uh, you know, whoever was currently on the roster with Allen and Heineke. Their approach was that they wanted to go and get a veteran guy, and it just so happens the best available one 
for them to realistically get was Ryan Fitzpatrick. So they're kind of riding with the best available option, not really the most talented guy that you can get at the position. Maybe they're a team that tries to swing a trade for somebody, but there's really not that many quarterbacks that are currently on the market for them to do so unless they have the capital to go and get somebody like Aaron Rodgers, which we don't know for a fact if he's even actually available or not. But separate from the quarterback position in terms of improvements and acquisitions, they did add a very talented receiver who I think adds a really talented one-two punch, that being Curtis Samuel from the Carolina Panthers, who had a really big year last year coming out in his final year of his contract, enough to earn some pretty big money to come play in Washington, a name that was circulated often for a potential signee for the New York Giants, now playing for Washington. And the key thing here, he rejoins his teammate, Terry McLaurin, is going to be playing alongside him as they played alongside each other in college. And I'd like to think that I think Curtis Samuel is going to be a really good offensive weapon for this uh, for this Washington team. Yeah, they, you can really see, uh, I think, a strategy in how they're building their offense. You know, they definitely realize the limitations of their quarterbacks you know i think they are trying to build an offense that can really do enough almost in spite of their quarterback because you know they already had terry mclaurin who is you know a really good receiver he isn't one of the elite guys but in his own way he is a scary guy he's not a guy you can ignore and then they go out and get curtis samuel who is you know a a familiar with Ron Rivera, and also he is a really dangerous run after catch threat. They get Diami Brown in the draft, who is again an, another ath- quick, athletic run after catch threat. They've got Antonio Gibson. They get uh, J.D. McKissick from Detroit. You know, two guys who can make make defenders miss out of their backfield. Yeah, I, I don't think we are really going to see this Washington team throw downfield all that often i think they're going to be relying a lot on uh passing concepts to really generate separation and get these playmakers the ball in space and hope that they have room to work and also get it out quickly because you know we will see that some just some of the very few losses they had on this team were on the offensive line but you know that they're probably good enough they can withstand those losses especially in a quick uh, quick passing offense yeah and we saw some reliance on getting the ball out to their running backs Antonio Gibson a converted receiver in college moves to running back and he has that receiving skill set and JD McKissick ends up being one of the most underrated receiving backs in the NFL last year I forget what his statistics were but like he had like a lot of receptions uh, as a receiving back last year. So you've got two good options there. It is probably going to be, as you said, uh, Chris, a lot of short, quick passes, going to be reliant on getting the ball out to your running backs, letting them make plays, because this isn't necessarily a team built to kill you deep. Kind of like what the the Giants tried to do this offseason was be more dangerous deep. Instead, this is a team that's going to be a lot more West Coast oriented because you don't really have the quarterback who's going to be able to stretch the field and kill you that far down the field. And the other additions they had during the draft, the two picks that stand out to me most, and you can include third pick with their top three selections, Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky. You have Sam Cosme, the offensive tackle 
out of uh, Texas, and then also you additionally throw into the mix a rookie defensive back, Benjamin St. Juiced, out of Minnesota. And for me, Chris, Jamin Davis is the speed that they needed at linebacker to round off their defense, and then Sam Cosme, a guy who has first-round talent, is capable of starting, maybe not immediately, but he is capable of stepping in at some point this season and being a, a consistent option along the offensive line as they're probably going to need some help on the, at the tackle positions. Yeah, definitely. Uh, th- this is really, I think, a scary front seven because we saw how Chase Young was able to just take over games last year. We already know what Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Matt Ioannidis and Montez Sweat are capable of. You know, between Young and Sweat, the Washington has one of the, if not the most athletic edge duos in the NFL. You know, I, I think the only ones that really come close are the Browns with Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. And yeah, that just off the top of my head, I think they're the only ones who really come close to that level of athleticism. And then you add, uh, Jamin Davis to that, you know, with the really great speed coverage ability that he has, you know, maybe use it going downhill as a blitzer. Yeah. That suddenly becomes a front seven. That's really difficult to crack. And then, you know, they've got William Jackson and uh, Kendall Fuller at cornerback. They're both pretty good corners. Uh, they added Benjamin St. Juice, you know, a guy we both liked, you know, especially coming out of the senior bowl, long athletic as well. You know, we actually thought the Giants would be targeting him in the third round just because of that length and quickness that he has. And then, you know, maybe if they've got all that other speed elsewhere in their defense, uh, Landon Collins could do some of the things that we saw him do with the Giants just playing downhill as that strong safety. I think this is the other half of their kind of roster construction philosophy where their offense just needs to do enough and be able to do enough in spite of the in spite of the quarterback position at times because they've got this defense that can just be so disruptive yeah there are a lot of pieces that come into that defense that is going to make it Probably the best in the NFC East, or at least if the the Giants can take that step forward, it'll be neck and neck for both of those teams defensively. That front seven is insanely dangerous, and we're going to talk about that when we come back from the commercial break as we're going to discuss how this team really didn't lose a whole lot over the offseason. We're going to get to that shortly after we, as I said, take this quick commercial break. So, Chris, when I was putting together our show notes, it was a a little scary to see some of the names that left this Washington team because uh, I'm going through it off of Over the Cap, I believe, or Spotrack, one of those sites, and all the the names that I'm looking that that departed and left, I'm like, okay, that guy's kind of a no-name. That guy wasn't really getting that many snaps. There's really not that many guys that I can point to and say, like, wow, that's going to be really hard to replace this team is really not losing a whole lot, which makes them in a position to take a step forward as they were already highly competitive last year and were able to sneak themselves into the playoffs, obviously with a losing record. But they are a pretty quality team, especially defensively. And we've seen teams like the Chicago Bears 
stay or stick around and fight and be hard to beat because they are led by a very talented defense and front seven. But some of those losses that I'm referring to, Fabian Moreau, defensive back, decent player. Ronald Darby, another cornerback, again, decent guy. Hasn't really lived up to the hype that we thought he could be early on in his career. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Ryan Anderson, now with the New York Giants. And then lastly, they recently cut Morgan Moses, who was their right tackle. And Cosme might end up stepping into that spot. So I'm looking at all these guys, Chris, and I don't really see a name that's like, dang, that's that's a big loss, like we were talking about with the Eagles and some of the you know, the stuff with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, I, I really think Mo- Morgan Moses might be the most significant loss. And if Cosme can step in and play kind of to the level we saw him play at Texas, you know, he, he's got some technique issues he's going to have to clean up. But if he can clean those up relatively quickly, he's got plenty of athleticism he is a ridiculously athletic tackle they could withstand the loss of Moses pretty well yeah this should be a team that can take that step forward really as long as they get just consistently decent play from their quarterback position you know as long as they don't have you know too much of a revolving door and whoever is throwing the ball for them doesn't throw it to the opposing defense too often. This team might not be great, but they're not going to be an easy win. Right. That that's the key key point here. Is that last year this team makes the playoffs because they end up being a pest against a lot of teams because of their defensive front. The Giants were a team that dominated Washington last year in both of their outings. Not completely blowing them out both times, but they were able to look pretty good for a majority of both games. But what now comes into play stepping into next season is that Washington, again, not losing a lot of guys. And that front seven, Chase Young is only going to get better. He's playing alongside and building chemistry with the guys along that defensive line. Jonathan Allen, Theron Payne, Montez Sweat. That is a very scary front. And for them to add speed at linebacker, I think, is what is going to make this team very hard to beat. Now, I'm not saying that it is going to be an insurmountable game for the Giants. That's not what I'm setting it up for. I'm just simply saying that this is going to be one of the better teams in the NFC East. There's a reason why it's hard to pinpoint and pick who's going to win the NFC East right now. It's a toss-up between Washington, the Cowboys, and the Giants if we're taking a very realistic perspective. Because each team has their specific strengths. And they also have their weaknesses. It's a matter of who actually pans out the most. The one thing I will say, though, Chris, is that what is going to hold back Washington the most is the fact that they, out of really any of the teams worse than the Eagles situation, if the quarterback position for them becomes a liability, they might be screwed. They really might not be able to live up to what they're hoping to possibly be and be uh, another or make another playoff appearance because I, I really don't know if I can buy in on Ryan Fitzpatrick, Heineke, or Kai Allen. Yeah, that is really the the silver lining I found in Washington uh, squeaking out that division win last year is it, it took them out of the running for the top quarterbacks. And it more or less built in this kind of weakness in their front, which, you know, could we imagine this team if they had 
if they had a legitimate shot at one of those quarterbacks drafted in the top 10, if Washington was looking at being able to have Justin Fields out there or, or even Mac Jones as, you know, a potential starting quarterback, you know, all of a sudden with that potential future ahead of them, this is a team that you don't just have to respect. You kind of have to look at them and go, okay, this, this team could be a problem for a while. You know, right now they could be in a position where the quarterback position is just unstable enough, just inconsistent enough to hold them back and maybe keep them from getting that quarterback or having to sacrifice a lot to get that guy. And if I'm being realistic in our projection on what we think the best and the worst case scenario for this Washington football team would be, I would say if if the quarterback position becomes the liability that we believe it might be, this could only be a six or a seven win football team. Like if there's just a constant reshuffling, there is no confidence in who the guy is. There's a lot of errors that happen on the field at the quarterback position. I don't see why this couldn't be a, a bear. Like the bears were a couple seasons ago where because they were having so much trouble at quarterback, they were really struggling. I it, just because they're good defensively it does not guarantee them the ability to win football games. On the counter of that, I think best case, as long as you get average play out of whoever's playing quarterback, which again, it, it looks like it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. If it's slightly below average or average, just enough to get the job done and gets the football to his playmakers, they could win the NFC East again. If, if other the other teams in the division are slacking or at the very least find their way into a wild card spot. This team is good enough, I think, defensively to keep opposing offenses that are talented close and squeak out victories. They're not going to win a lot of games like 45 to, to 25 or, or like big blowouts like that. Like that. It's going to be a lot of like 21 to 17, 24 to 10. It's going to be a lot of close, close defensive battles. Yeah, I, I think that's the way their season is going to go, you know, where they could be a lot like the Giants were in 2016, where they just hope their offense can do enough to give their defense a lead to protect. Because once that defense can get to where it can tee off on opposing offenses, yeah, that's right where they want to be, where they can just turn Chase Young and Montez Sweat loose, where they can play around with some blitz packages and really kind of define the flow of the game. They are not built to overcome mistakes and come from behind. I think they're going to play a very safe brand of football and really just hope their defense can force mistakes on other teams. That that's honestly I think what's going to end up being what they need to win win games is just keeping games close and then the pressure that is resulting from their attack by their defensive line forcing them to make silly mistakes in close football games. That's going to be what causes them to win. It is simply their defensive line and their linebackers forcing a lot of errors in these games that are going to be as I said, low scoring and close and then finishing them off after they make those mistakes. That's right now, though, I th- I, that's more dangerous than I think people realize. And especially from what I'm saying here, 
if your team is this good defensively, you're able to win close football games. If any game is close against Washington and they have a lead, I'd be worried because it is not going to be easy to move the ball down the field when they are in a nickel or a dime package and they're expecting a pass on a two-minute drill. When you have Montez Sweat and Chase Young rushing you on either side, that is what is going to make them dominant in in high-pressure situations like that. Yeah, and you know we saw the jump that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul made from his rookie year to his second year. We saw the jump that uh, Miles Garrett made from his rookie year to his second year. If Chase Young makes that same kind of jump, you know, we saw him already taking games over at the end of last year. That could be, you know, really a scary place to be in. You know, basically having to drive the length of the field when the Washington defense knows a pass is coming. Yeah, and and Chase Young is going to be a de facto player for their progression and their development forward. And already we're seeing signs of the level of talent that he has, the fact that teams were double and triple teaming him in his rookie season is a pretty scary indication that he is going to be a menace and a problem in the NFC East for a very long time. That's going to be it for today's episode, breaking down the Washington football team, previewing what to expect from the last team in the NFC East, a part of our preview series. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to not miss out on any more off-season content. And also leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Big Blue View and Instagram as well. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Have a good rest of your day.